back. Welcome to another episode of Mike, Mike, and I've eaten all my food that's supposed to last my quarantine, and I've gained back all the weight that I lost. No, this is Mike, Mike, and Oscar <laughs> coming to you once again from our separate houses. I'm your co-host, Mike One, co-host also Mike from his abode. Mike, how are you doing on this, our ninth day now of quarantine? Well, I'm pretty scared, Michael, as, as most of us are, but I'm scared for illogical reasons because... Like, I, I'm telling myself that I shouldn't be a hypochondriac, but my hypochondriac upbringing is, is, is really starting yeah. to bother me, where, like, I'm telling myself that, no, just because you're out of breath from going back and forth to the refrigerator so much, <laughs> that doesn't mean you have corona. The shortness of breath doesn't have to. That just means you're fat. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I should understand this, but my brain is waking me up in cold sweats in the middle of the night, which I, then I'm telling myself, am I feverish? Right. Yeah, I, I, I probably have corona. Right, that's yeah. probably where we're going to end up with this anyway. But I've washed my hands so many times that my knuckles have literally started to crack and I don't have any yeah. moisture left in my body, even though all Me I drink too. is water. So it's just, everything's going fine. We're going really well. I got enough paper towels, <laughs> though. So uh, we're coming at you again, another entry into the quarantine collection that we've kind of been doing just really started by chance. We just kind of wanted to go around the different streaming services and highlight at least one new movie from each one of those, as well as what that streaming service has to offer you let you know if it's worth your time worth your investment and certainly uh maybe can help your sanity during these quarantine days as the news just keeps on coming out and it looks like it's 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 just still not great out there mike it is terrible and i don't really even have any silver linings here so let's let's get through this segment a little quicker because it's pretty dire stuff but as we've been doing we want to you know keep you up to date and plus otherwise our mmow just clogs up and that's not right but yeah we're we're gonna review blow the man down we're gonna review amazon prime coming up but first let's talk about how theater owners need a coronavirus relief bill michael or they say they'll go bankrupt president and ceo of nato they're still going with that huh? (laughs) the national association of theater owners john fithian which is also another name i object a lot of swings and misses so far with these names Look, he gave quite the speech, though. He he pleaded uh, for the government to pass the trillion-dollar relief bill that would essentially guarantee loans uh, to businesses large and small, and in particular, a lot of small theater owners, because banks aren't loaning to them. They're not loaning money because they're not sure how long the shutdown's going to be in place. Yeah, it seems to be par for the course. Fithian also praised studios for pulling and delaying their movies overall. He also said that he understands why studios would move films that are already in theaters to VOD and home video much earlier than usual. Sonic the Hedgehog is the latest film to make the move after Bloodshot. We talked about that on our last episode. Onward also Mm -hmm. is coming out early on VOD as well. Uh, And now Sonic looks like it's going to be hitting us March 31st on VOD, Mike. And Fithian, in an interview with The Hollywood Reporter, got mad at uh, a release that's coming a few weeks later that uh, we've covered already, Trolls World Tour, by being one of the only standouts basically to forego the theatrical release model entirely because NBC Universal wants to release it exclusively on streaming in this, you know, home premiere format for $20 instead. And he, and he said uh, quite tellingly that, you know, we won't forget this in an ominous quote. Yeah. Look, 
that's a tough pill to swallow if, if you're John Fithy and you can't in one hand say, boy, do we need a bailout because everyone's really struggling. And on the other hand, say, oh, you got trouble coming your way, big studios who keep us in business and keep us relevant. I don't think this the NATO, this NATO anyway, has any leverage whatsoever in this situation. I, I said that when we talked about this, that Trolls World Tour is kind of this test balloon. They want to see how the blockbusters are going to do on VOD. I think it makes sense for Universal to release this. If I was... NATO or any theater owner or any theater chain or anything, I would try to play nice with the studios and not try to like paint them in a corner because I don't know that the theater owners have any leverage here, personally. I get a little frustrated with the coverage of this story for a couple of reasons because, number one, people are treating Trolls World Tour like it's going to be a billion-dollar property. <laughs> and I don't think... I don't think the first Trolls was close to that. I mean, I have to look it up. Another thing. I think I remember it did like 400 million maybe worldwide. All right. So it's not close to like a tentpole level. It did well. And they're they're coming out with a sequel. They may know they have a stinker on their hands for Christ's yeah. sake, and they may think that all right, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to make some money on this sooner than later. Yes, they're they're taking uh, an experiment and they're trying it w- with this particular film that should play for kids during that week after they've watched Frozen Two a hundred thousand times a piece. So th- you could see the obvious window for them to make some money with this release. On the other hand, I don't necessarily blame anybody in this instance because it's so unprecedented. And it's not like they're releasing, you know, all their stuff, right. NBC Universal, uh, in this format. They're just releasing one movie that's that's going to be a minor hit, perhaps, at, in, in theaters. Yeah, so I, I don't see it. It's not like they're going forward and just dropping Fast and Furious 9, which is a billion-dollar property, and keeping that away from theaters and studios. Exactly. As a matter of fact, they did the theaters a solid by moving that out a year from May this year to Fast 9. is going to be moved to April 2021, like we've talked about previously. So, I, weird. I don't know. I, I get both sides of it, but I think it's just a weird stance to have if you're Fithian. I would have taken maybe a more political answer if I were him in that circumstance, but I'm not... And and he's where he is, and I'm where I am, so maybe that's for the best for him. We'll he see. is the president of <laughs> yeah, NATO, president Michael. Of NATO. I'm sure that's on his business card, too. Uh, let's talk other words and otherwise in terms of streaming. We talked about this a few weeks ago, that Netflix may get involved and, and try to scoop up some other pictures that studios were supposed to release in theaters, and they've actually started to do that, at least with one film. Netflix came in, and they're going to be the ones releasing The Lovebirds, that Issa Rae and Kumail Nanjiani uh, movie, Netflix Swoop in, bought it from Paramount, and now it's a Netflix picture, and it's going to be released on Netflix. Now, I'm also a little bit confused on the coverage for this story, too, Mike, because the Lovebirds, on the one hand, yes, theaters have been playing the trailers for that movie. On the other hand, Rotten Tomatoes has published, and, and did so weeks ago, they published the April 3rd VOD release date. And the coming soon tab huh. of all the you know the all the watch at home stuff. I was uh, thrown off by that when they talked about this movie as just being something that was going to be exclusive to theaters because typically when you get you know a blood on her name type of movie that releases to ten theaters or three right. theaters or whatever, it's also coming out simultaneously on VOD, which is what happens to a lot of movies that they'll show in New Haven, but they'll also be available for nine dollars at home. 
We see this all the time, yeah. and I thought The Lovebirds was factoring in as one of those movies for whatever reason. It could be a variety of reasons. So everybody's talking about this like it's a huge get for Netflix. This is an in-theater movie, but it seems like this was going to be one of those half-and-half half movies anyway. Yeah, the only thing I would say about that is that usually those types of movies aren't big studio, or from big studios at least, not that this is a right. big studio movie per se, but Paramount isn't usually the ones that are doing those half-release, half half theatrical release, half-VOD release type movies. So I think it's a little unusual but yeah if that was the plan all along if their vod date was april 3rd all along then yeah this may be all uh sound and fury signifying nothing like you say i could have corona fever or cabin <laughs> fever and just my brain is going crazy right now so who knows what, what my, my memory is saying but look I, I we also wanted to report on broadway for a minute here because it's very sad we have a couple plays and a couple uh production companies that are not going to continue after the coronavirus shutdown is is lifted. We have Martin McDonough's The Hangman. We have uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf with uh, Laurie Metcalf starring in that. I would pay to see both of those, yeah. and it's very unfortunate. The corona apocalypse is uh, is taking them yeah, out. Yeah, it's so quick that we went from, you know, will theaters close, will Broadway close, and then a, a literally a week later well yes not only is everything closed but as a matter of fact things aren't coming back and you you know we're going to be left wondering is that the longer this goes on what's going to be left what is going to reopen as we come back and come out of this quarantine and you know i i, I can already see on social media and stuff all the fuck jerry memes on some like random tuesday in july or august once all this passes or it's yeah. oh, i wish we were quarantined again yeah well no you don't think about how miserable this is right now not only for yourself but for the entertainment industry at large and this is this is it sucks i mean for to put it bluntly and shortly this sucks it does mostly suck yeah. because we can't be social at all. We have to be distanced. However, I've been watching a bunch of good movies. I, I know you've been watching some good stuff. We were texting the other day. We're going to go over more of it on MMOW. And we do have a... Uh, a streaming service to kind of give an overview for here. Yeah, that's what we're doing today. So like Mike told you at the top, we're going to be reviewing Blow the Man Down as part of our quarantine collection. We're going to dive into Amazon Prime today, give you some background and let you know what's available on that streaming service right now. We've talked about some of these in the past and in the history of MMO, but we're going to set the table and set the stage, fill you in on what Amazon Prime has to offer, and then afterwards we will dive into a full-blown review of the new movie Blow the Man Down that just recently debuted on Amazon Prime. So, Mike, what do we have for Amazon Prime to start? Yeah, I wanted to touch on the TV shows. I've recommended these in the past, and I'm I'm really in for all of Amazon Prime's comedies, especially their half-hour comedies, their 20-minute comedies. They've gone for that short, short model, and they've crushed it, knocked that out of the park. So these are some quick binges in many cases. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel was the best show on television while I was watching it. I love it. Uh, Fleabag, deserving of all the awards. Uh, Catastrophe is another fun show, even though I don't know if that's the best quarantine <laughs> watch because you're stuck at home with your kids and that's about being sick of kids in a way it's... maybe it's cathartic yeah i i liked red oaks i watched a couple seasons of that it's a, basically like this more dramatic version of caddyshack but it's also kind of funny as I well i liked red oaks and too it... and you get paul reiser yeah. playing an asshole which you don't really see often 
You never see that, but he does play a great yeah. asshole. So good for Paul Reiser. I also like the uh, the football and the college football shows they do. All or Nothing. I've seen most of that with the Panthers, the Cowboys, the Cardinals, Michigan Wolverines, Notre Dame. So they do a great job. How there. does All or Nothing stack up? Uh, I have not divin dove divin dived dived. I You've gra- not divin. Yeah, grammar grammar's a thing of the past. It's a relic left to ancient history when we were all allowed <laughs> outside once upon a time. I have not taken the plunge into any All or Nothing. How does it stack? up to uh, HBO's Hard Knocks? Well, I like uh, All or Nothing over the last season of Hard Knocks. I feel like Hard Knocks is just so sanitized lately that the NFL is just in their heads about it. Like they can't show, they don't have rounded characters on Hard Knocks anymore. That's what's frustrating to me. Whereas I think the the All or Nothing show, they, they're not showing a ton of warts about these NFL, NFL guys uh, on the flip side of that, but they're showing you the drama, the ups and downs of the season. And they have more built-in drama that way. So it works better as a reality show, I would say, than Hard Knocks recently. I have not enjoyed the Hard Knocks since, uh, I don't know, the Rex Ryan episodes. Like, those were good. Yeah, yeah, those were about 10 years ago now. Jeez, thinking about that. Well, there you go. That's a glowing recommendation for all or nothing on Amazon Prime if you're a sports fan and need your fix right now. Uh, Some Amazon original movies that we've reviewed in the past include Unsane, Cold War, Suspiria, The Big Sick, Beautiful Boy, The Farewell, Midsommar, First Reformed. We've also reviewed Honey Boy, Troop Zero, One Child Nation, The Aeronauts, The Report, Britney Runs a Marathon, and many others as part of our What We're Watching segment on Mike, Mike, and Oscar Week clear mmow yeah so we got a lot of episodes that are dedicated solely to amazon prime movies like uh, the rest of this one will be but we also you know we're reviewing amazon prime movies pr- pretty continuously yeah. on our weekly shows like you say uh i want to talk about amazon prime in the, in another sense though too because they have a huge library accompanying all their originals uh and th- this is a, a humongous library that i'm constantly watching as well so that 120 dollars at 10 bucks a month you know, for, for free shipping, which you make out on, you know, this is a worthwhile streaming service to have because you, you get movies like Clue. Like, I want to rewatch Clue. I just added that to my queue the other day. And then I actually, I never heard of this movie beforehand. This movie called Starfish from 2018. I actually added that to my queue as well. 74 Metascore. It's this like weird aesthetic, apocalyptic aesthetic. Uh, and this is its premise, Michael. A unique, intimate portrayal of a girl grieving for the loss of her best friend, which just so happens to take place on the day the world ends. Well, that might be a little foreboding for our current situation and how the world is acting right now. But yeah, I echo what you say. I actually think Prime might be the most essential streaming service and it has really nothing to do with the collection even though there is a great library and certainly more vast library than some of the other streaming networks we've talked about but the shipping pays for itself i mean they're not only putting out quality (laughs) movies but if you get amazon prime you're going to end up getting your money's worth just from the free shipping free two-day shipping they offer alone so and there is i mean a bang for your buck on the entertainment side as well well no they haven't really gotten the whole oscar chase picture right they're still struggling to kind of land big nominations and big categories for that they've had successful quality films which we like we talked about have reviewed and as well as the collection like the clues of the world on top of their tv shows. so i think there is a lot of good quality to be had here in prime overall 
I want to see their books, don't you? Like, I really want to see their their film branch books. I want to see how, how their profit margins are for what they release in theaters. I, I, I know they get a lot of A24 films eventually on their service, so that, that's something else that's really cool uh, about them, that they seem to patron A24, which is a studio you and I love. So uh, th- this is, a, an, a like you say, an essential streaming service, not just for shipping, but because of the library. So, yeah, we're very high on Amazon Prime. Yes, we're high on Netflix don't email me or text me after <laughs> I after you listen to this Andrew We're, we love Netflix too but they're both they're both great and, and this one is it stacks up yeah and just want to give a shout out uh, we were asking people what they've been watching lately a show neither of us neither Mike nor myself have started watching it on Amazon Prime which we might dive into very soon uh, our buddy Wojciech has suggested Undone which you could find on there uh, so add that to the list of other stuff and I have to get on Mrs. Maisel and I have to get on Fleabag and I just haven't and you have and I I've, I've watched a lot of Parks and Rec lately, so that's that's what I'm going to say, that I have to keep watching these things and just never get to them. But uh, but something I did get to, Mike, and something we can review right now as part of Amazon Prime that just came out in the last couple days here, I think. Uh, blow the man down. So let's dive into our review of this movie. Yeah, co-written and co-directed by Bridget Savage-Cole and Danielle Crudy, who were both nominated for an Indie Spirit Award last year in the Best First Screenplay category. Uh, the cast is is star-studded, you, and uh, you also got some good young talent, too. You got Morgan Saylor from Homeland, McFarland USA, Novitiate. You got Sophie Lowe uh, from The Slap. <laughs> she was in The Slap there, Michael. <laughs> I want more people to be from the snap. Well, there's only like three, I think, because I think that was only on for like a day and a half. She was also from uh, Beautiful Kate there, Sophie Lowe. You have June Squibb from Nebraska, Oscar Nam. You have Margot Martindale from The Americans, where she was nominated for an Emmy. Uh, Walk Hard, which will be nominated for many, many Mike Mike and Oscar awards, I'm sure, in the future. <laughs> and if we had that in our past, she was from The Hours. She was a Tony Nom for The Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Uh, many people love her for good reason. She also has you the got- Ann Dowd uh, seal of approval, where if Margot Martindale or Ann Dowd show up, in your program you know shit's about to get real yeah shit is always real with uh, her complex characters even on family guys she plays yeah. a complex character you don't know if she's someone to root for and i love it so you have annette o'toole from nash bridges and get this she was beverly marsh michael on the it miniseries oh, well, the tim curry one there you go there we go. Marceline Hugo uh, from The Leftovers is there. She's the one always smoking the cigarette on The Leftovers, dressed in white. Uh, and, uh, of course, you get an excellent performance from up-and-coming you know, actress uh, Gail Rankin. She plays the wolf girl wrestler from Glow, yes. and I thought she crushes it in this movie. Yeah, I agree. There, This uh, movie had its premiere at the last Tribeca Film Festival, did screen at TIFF as well in 2019. Came out March 20th on Amazon Studios. This reception so far. We kind of teased this in our last episode when we were previewing what we're going to do today, but this has high marks pretty much across the board, a 100% in Rotten Tomatoes on 64 reviews, 73 Metascore, which is pretty high, though it does only have a 6.3 on IMDb, though that is only on the first 455 reviews. Yeah, the plot premise reads, Mary Beth and Priscilla Connolly attempt to cover up a gruesome run-in with a dangerous man. To conceal their crime, the sisters must go deep into the criminal underbelly of their hometown, uncovering the town's darkest secrets. Uh, That's a great premise. Yeah, it's a great premise, but I don't think they do a lot of digging to find that criminal underbelly. Or like they don't have to like ask a lot of people what the dark secrets are. They just kind of bring them to them to these two girls. When Margot Martindale's involved, 
she does a lot of the digging right. and the heavy lifting. Right. You know, the girls didn't don't necessarily have to, but they they definitely you know get to the underbelly. Yes. Let's just say that much. And this movie did remind me of a lot of like Coen Brothers. And I wrote that down before I read reviews on this movie, so don't get mad at me because <laughs> everybody's saying Fargo, the film and the TV series. I also wrote down a little bit of Very Bad Things, uh, a simple plan for sure. I just read that book last year. I just saw the movie last year with Bill Paxton. I believe Bill Paxton and Billy Bob Thornton. Anyway, a a hell of a movie, hell of a story that was. Uh, I like small town crime stories, Mike. How about you? Yeah, this this spoke to me about uh, that Casey Affleck one, Manchester by the Sea, that just came out a couple years ago. I was, I thought this was the same town. It had that same general small town feel with these, you know, everybody knows everybody, and everybody knows the same thing, and everybody knows what's going on, and so you can't really hide, and you don't really have a personal life to speak of. But yeah, generally, this type of film, I'm a fan of as well. I want to love movies like this, but this was a tale of two watches for me, though. I, like, I really enjoyed my first watch, though I, I remember get, coming off of it and say, all right, I'll have to watch it again because I still don't get shit. Well, I watched it a second time, and I still don't get shit. So maybe we can help each other figure things out in spoilers. But uh, I, 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 I read some on it. I watched it a few times. Hopefully I can get at least the basics right for some folks. I love the screenwriting fundamentals, though. So some of that is pretty obvious to me. There is literally B, C, D, and E stories, Michael. And they have POV characters for each one of those. You have Margot Martindale. You have the old hens with uh, June Squibb there and Hugo and O'Toole. Uh, Number three, you have Gail Rankin, the sex worker, and that thread. And then you have the cops all surrounding the the, the two girls, the the two sisters there. Yeah, I I actually enjoyed this film and watching it quite a bit i think the bones i mean you talked about the script and the screenwriting i think the bones of this overall are really good i really enjoyed what they did with the music throughout i mean it's a shore town and it's a it's a sailing or sailor town it's a port essentially and so they had a lot of their score that was based on literally sailors singing sailing songs which was kind of cool yeah and when they weren't sailors singing sailing hymns it was a lot of these low note uh, string instruments kind of setting this anticipatory scene and this suspense scene which was really nice I liked some of the cinematography uh, It's I think it's kind of hard to shoot a port town poorly and I think they were aided by that but uh, they did a good job given what they were had to work with the screenplay I'm with you I thought was very strong up until the last like 15 minutes or so yeah, thrillers haven't been treating you well. No, lately. they have not. At least not. the uh, <laughs> the third acts of thrillers. But uh, yeah, we're gonna get to it. I also love the setting and the characters. I co-sign all of that. I really enjoyed the characters and the setting as well. I also did some research on the song, which I think plays as an undercurrent. Uh, the title of the movie obviously is is is, is apparent, but it plays a, the, this Greek chorus of sailors or shanties, whatever they're called, singing the song "Blow the Man yeah. Down" and and some other songs. It works as like this thematic derivative. Basically, it works as like the source material on why you know history has created this entire situation, which I really love, and I think they're cognizant of that because here's what the song means. So Blow the Man Down it goes through a bit of an evolution on, on how people have, have taken it in terms of how they've described it in the song. Mm-hmm. So number one, getting blown down is sailor terminology for wind literally knocking you over uh, while you're dealing with a storm. So that was like the first usage of it, right? Okay. Then it became known for the disciplinary practice of captains beating sailors, huh. okay, and this happened a lot aboard 19th century ships because 
a lot of companies paid for faster deliveries, which is still true today, but faster deliveries between ports. So captains and crews would lose money if their, their ships went slower. Now, these uh, sailors would sing this song, Blow the Man Down, which had multiple meanings to it. Because number one, it's kind of singing about, like, we better get through this, otherwise we're going to get the shit kicked out of us by our captains because they were tyrants. On the other hand, it, it talks about how sailors were recruited because captains became so horrific and terrible in their methods and their reputations that nobody would want to work for them. So they would get lured as young men with pretty girls to the docks, kidnapped by these captains. They would wake up on ship on ships and essentially be slaves, Mike. Huh. So th- this song has lyrics in it that that you know talks about all these different things. So the, these sailors are basically like singing against their captains when they came up with this song about you know we better get this work done otherwise we're we're gonna get the shit kicked out. I think it's a crazy. I song. think you could take that interpretation about how you know as the backdrop of this movie in a couple different directions. I think that's a really good table setter. Not only is it the title of the film, but the music and the actual song itself does play itself into some important parts. So that's that's really interesting. Good job by you uh, researching that and getting that story out there. Well, the internet is a magical place, but I, I, hopefully I summarize it somewhat okay. There's probably a lot of English professors getting mad at me there. But I, I, it's definitely, you know, you see, if, if this was the stuff happening on the high seas and when these sailors, these beaten sailors came to ports, mm. they're not going to treat the, the local folk very well. Yeah. And, and, you know, you can just see the cycle of violence. And I also saying. wonder if uh, something that happens with one of the main characters who ends up actually tripping and falling towards the end of this movie and, and, and sitting down on the floor, if that has something, if that's more a more direct line into what this uh, what that folklore behind that song is. Uh, all right. So we have that as the backdrop. We have uh, we, uh, decent performances that we like. We have uh, Amazon Prime, which we enjoy overall. Mike, did you find yourself wanting to watch this one again after already viewing it twice or how do you feel overall about a watch or a not watch yeah i'm definitely uh in favor of of you guys watching this this film is fun to study though i'm still perplexed by a thing or two i don't know if further rewatches will kind of cross all the t's and dot all the i's for me Uh, like i said i did read on it and it kind of confirmed what i already thought so i don't know if anybody has this movie pegged right now and hopefully the internet can can help us and hopefully you could you and i can figure it out how about you do you uh do you recommend this so i i really enjoyed my time with it like i said until the very end and it's not it doesn't present itself as a movie you're gonna have to think about which is maybe what what leads to the frustration at the very end when you actually are trying to have to put some pieces together to get a, a coherent picture if you're okay being aggravated because there's some stuff and it might be minute and whatever but uh, to me it's just it's unexplainable and it's just in there for shock value so if you're okay being aggravated by some of that stuff then yeah i, I could recommend this as a watch but if it's uh, you know if you're gonna laugh at it and it takes you out of the movie completely i think there is stuff to be warned about and taking the dive in this but i i i, I almost go back to what we said about a couple other net services that we've talked about during this quarantine collection i think you want amazon prime even if it's not just for this movie Oh, you totally, yeah. totally, totally agree with that. And and this is a this is a cool movie to talk about, so I'm I'm anxious for the spoiler section. Spoilers ahead. This is a spoiler warning. Spoilers. Spoilers.
Mike, Mike, and Oscar! Oscar's friend, spoilers! This is the spoiler section for the movie Blow the Man Down on Amazon Prime, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar as part of our Quarantine Collection series. If you've not seen the movie yet, this is a good place for you to hit pause. Go order yourself some Amazon Prime. Maybe get some, uh, they got like giant bags of Sour Patch Kids and stuff in there. You can uh, have those delivered. You feast on those while you're watching this, then come back and hit play. We'll be here waiting for you. If you've seen the movie already, if you're just curious to hear our thoughts, or if we've hyped up the spoiler section for you so much with that tease in the non-spoiler section about how there's some puzzling to be put together here. This is where you want to be. All spoilers all the time for Blow the Man Down brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Mike, let's start at the end. Yeah, I want to cite an article from Varun Patel on the cinemaholic.com. He helped me figure some things out here. Essentially, all right, let's backtrack for a second because we have Gorski, the guy at the bar who gets killed by the sisters. He kills the sex worker, D. I totally totally missed this i don't know if i was if i was doing something or whatever but apparently you said there's a scene where at the very beginning of the movie we find out by the end of the movie this is laying the groundwork for enid who is the margot martindale character who we turn who we learn is running this brothel in town that all the 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 women in town kind of went in on together and collectively ran this is a small town that's essentially run by a mafia except the mafia is all these elderly to middle-aged women so margot martindale sees one of her sex workers being murdered essentially by the muscle that she hired to do her bidding in Gorski. At the time, at the time we don't think she's watching a murder, right? right? Because she's just watching like a fight, a domestic spat between a guy and uh, his girlfriend essentially running out of a car and he's chasing her in the snow. And he pulls off her jacket, so it seems a little more violent than usual. And she just looks on this as she's expecting it, and she's kind of, you know, wearisome about it. But we don't think at the time that that's necessarily a murder. We think it's a spat between an asshole and his girlfriend. Okay. It winds up being a murder. (laughs) Surprise! Yeah, that night, that night... You know, the sister Mary goes to the bar after her mother's funeral. She's freaking the hell out. She gets an argu- into an argument with her sister because at the wake, she finds out that they're losing their house. And they, they just spent a year taking care of their sick mother. So now she, she wants to go to college. She took a year off from going to college, Mary did. And, in, and, and she can't go to college now because they can't even afford their right. house. So how can she afford college? So she's realizing her all her plans are up in smoke. And uh, the sister and her, who runs like a fish shop, they're not making enough money. They're, they're going to be destitute pretty soon. Right. They're in trouble. So she goes to the, to the bar to blow off steam, finds this scummy guy who gives her cigarettes because this other guy, it looks like a couple guys, on the night of their mother's funeral, there seems to be some bad blood there. It's like he's, she's getting the side eye from all these guys at the pool table, right? Even though one guy gives her a pity beer. Right. She kind of snuggles up against this weird guy at the bar with cigarettes on their drive home. She's driving his car. So he, all right, this, at the, at first I was upset because I was like, wait, this escalated way too quickly, but you, you see enough there to, to give you reason for what happens. He does Coke. There's a gun in the glove compartment. Uh, they crash into the sign. They crash into the giant, you know, fish 
uh, guy right. who falls on the car, and some of the you know scraps get into the trunk of the car. So somehow the trunk pops open of the car when they finally get home. He sees that she sees what's in the trunk, right. and and this is my biggest problem with the movie. And what she sees in the trunk is strands of blonde hair and blood and a woman's purse. And so, I mean, it's basically enough to suggest to the viewer that this is a bad guy who may or may not have committed a murder of some girl. It is very obvious that there was a murder in the trunk of the car. When you, when you watch it, it's very obvious. Now she sees this, he kind of rubs up against her. She runs away and then she runs the wrong direction because she could run into the woods or she could run to freedom, but she runs towards his house, which is basically up against a pier. Yeah, she runs to so the dock. She, yeah. So it's, it went from flight, flight, like she's doing one thing to flee. She's doing another thing to flee. And then she knows she has to fight. So I actually, I'm impressed by this whole scenario. She grabs a harpoon, harpoons this guy in the neck, uses a brick to finish him off. All right, she kills this guy. And, and, Here's what I don't and, get. Well, can I can I just say there? I, I yeah. thought that did a really good. The brick was the whole impetus for me of this movie because the the easy suggestion is okay. Yes, you don't know that this guy has plans for you. You don't really know that he killed any. Like it, it wouldn't hold up in court. Let's just say so. You don't right. know if he's going to try to rape you. You don't know that he's doing anything. So the harpoon, yeah, you could make the case that he was attacking me and I, it was self-defense. But he's still alive after the harpoon. He obviously can't do anything. He grabs her ankle, but he he can't fight. So she takes the brick to smash him in the face to finish him off. I thought that was enough to cause her to question her actions as to whether or not she was committing a murder or acting in self-defense, which I thought was a good I mean, obviously to the viewer, it seems like self-defense through and through. But I think in her mind, we were supposed to believe that she wasn't sure that the cops would let her get away with it. And so that's why she was so hesitant to ever turn to the police throughout the entire movie. That combined with her personality, which is generally anti-authority anyway. So so I didn't like that whole sequence in the in my first viewing, even though I liked the movie more in my first viewing. I, I, that sequence bothered me. I liked it more upon rewatch, and I, I got it more. Now, I don't get why this guy Gorski is so dumb. Because we come to realize the guy Gorski is really the bad guy behind all of right. this. Or is he? Because he apparently kills the sex worker D. And then after he kills the sex worker D, he does not clean up his trunk. <laughs> Mike, yeah, he, he must have gone not... right from that murder to the bar. Because he couldn't deal with it or he had grief or it was just another day in his life or something. But you're right. I mean, He's... he just... It, it clearly suggests that the opening scene happened earlier that night and later that night he's at that bar so right he's essentially procrastinating on the cleanup of all this because for whatever reason uh he still wants to get some that night which is just ridiculous like if you are the manager of a bunch of sex workers and one is your girlfriend how oversexed are you gonna be like why does he need to get laid that night? It makes no sense. Uh, well, it's not. I, he, I didn't feel like he was a predator. I mean, yes, he obviously he touches her thigh in the car, but I didn't get the feeling that he was at the bar looking for looking to get laid. I thought he was there trying to drink his sorrows away, whatever they may be. And then this cute girl kind of nestled up to him. Right. All right. So fine. He goes home. He he becomes a, a, a nasty human being that's very obviously just killed someone. Now, the reason he killed someone was because D was robbing, she was robbing $50,000 out of the safe 
at Enid's, Margot Martindale's character. Yeah, so Margot Martindale is the big puppeteer. Uh, it turns out that she was basically... There was four women who were running the town. One of the women was the mother whose funeral we start this movie on. She was the mother of the two sisters. So when that mother, when that woman passed away, Margot Martindale is basically involved in a power struggle for the town, and she takes matters in her own hands to eventually have one of her workers done away with. All right, so Gorski doesn't finish his cleanup. He goes to the bar and drink. He doesn't get the fuck out of Dodge. He doesn't return Ms. Devlin's money right. straight away. Right. He takes the money... And he puts it in a paper fast food bag at the bottom of a pier, right up against the the water, right up against the shore. Condensation, splashes, anything. High tide. Filter up. (laughs) High tide. It seems like the worst place to stash the money. I mean, if it's in a paper uh, plastic bag, all right, fine. And it's taped to the thing. But it's in a paper bag. It's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, this was not an intelligent man, if you want to give him that benefit of the doubt. But otherwise, yeah, that's poor planning. And that's not the only time this movie will frustrate you. Yeah, so, all right. So let's get through our worst, I would say, before best today. We already touched on a few of them. Uh, Look, I mean, essentially what happens after the murder of Gorski is that Mary tells her, her sister and they go back to the place to clean it up. There's a couple things I don't get. Number one, has nobody in this universe ever seen an episode of CSI or Dexter (laughs) or anything about getting rid of a body? Ever? A gangster movie? Anything. I don't understand what they think they were doing with just that one little knife and that cooler. Were we supposed to believe they hacked up his body with that one knife? She, it's a very sharp, you know... (laughs) Yes, okay. He's a large adult man. Well, basically, they just said they were going to cut his arms off. But I I really like those few scenes in general because, number, like, she does the coleslaw metaphor for her younger sister, Priscilla. So I like that. That's a a really smart way to just show how close these sisters are. And then that coleslaw line comes back at the older sister who is kind of whatever a a fish butcher is, whatever you call one of those. A fusher. A fusher, she's a fusher for as a profession. So she basically knows exactly how to carve up stuff, and she carves the guy's arms off and p- puts it in the cooler. They take it and dump it in the worst place possible, Mike. They dump it like it. It. This is the cove where the waves crash up against the rocks, <laughs> right. where it's probably like a whirlpool underneath. It's the most turbulent part of the sea. Yeah. I mean, you, this is the stuff from fantasy novels yeah. and from Wuthering Heights and all those old-timey stories where this is the last place you want to take a few feet of rope with an anchor on it in a cooler that would be buoyant once filled with, with some water or whatever. They're idiots yeah. for, for putting it there, and, and they don't think that it's going to wash up later on. Especially because I mean, they have access to their own skiff and their own boat, and they could just go out to the middle of nowhere in the ocean and dump the fucking body. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's the other thing. The skiff. So, all right. So we find out later that she has a skiff, that that Priscilla operates a skiff at the wharf where her fish shop is. And the cop comes into the place. And one of the most contrived B stories I've ever seen. We're really up against it. I need a good Samaritan to give me a boat. And she just shuts down her store. And they're fighting for their (laughs) lives, their financial lives as sisters. 
Are we supposed to believe that she's attracted to him, that she wants this like day out where he's and then but she's going to help him and drive him away. And then he tells her on the skiff that, look, we got to pick up a dead body. Yeah. Are you kidding me? If you if you're a police force on the pier. Essentially, that's what your jurisdiction. You don't have your own skiff. It's like a city cop not having yeah, car. Yeah, what are you car. talking about? What are you doing? I, I don't get that at all. It's it's preposterous to me. Uh, so, all right. So th- that happens. It freaks out the older sister whose nerves are on thin ice anyway. I thought she was giving a great death. performance. I just want to get that on the record. I thought. I agree. I thought. Uh, I, agree. I thought Mary Beth's performance. I wanted to like more. Mary Beth was uh, was Morgan Sailor there. I wanted to like her more, but I thought Sophie Lowe was great as Priscilla. Well, Mary Beth is so dumb, though. She goes back the next day just touching everything because she's looking for the knife that they yes. both forget, right? Touching everything with her bare hands. And she eventually hides under, you know, the bed because guys are taking their crates, you know, off the pier and she hears them. And she hides under the bed and then she sees under the pier boards where the money is. She'll take the money. Her fingerprints are all over the place. What is she doing? And this is all, I mean, you could explain this away because everybody knows everyone in this small town. And these four women, now three, because their mother passed away, did in fact run the town. So you could explain away that, yeah, well, it's it's not a big deal because the cops would cover for them. And we see the cops are corrupt and they are covering, there are cops that are covering for Enid all throughout this because that's how this has, this relationship has worked historically, except that they don't know that. I mean, these two daughters don't know at this point that their mother was part of this essentially mafia in this mob run town and they were the big she was the big boss so it's all yeah uh, very convenient and very very convenient to the plot that they didn't get caught at any point here yeah there's so many things that i don't understand about how people didn't know certain things like how does the younger cop not know about the brothel I mean, how does she he not know about yeah. the brothel in general? Because he hangs out with the redheaded guy who whose docks are being used by the sex workers to find, you know, Johns. Yeah. So that guy knows about the brothel. They there's one bar in town that we yep. see. So and they're hanging out together at the same bar. That's never come up. I mean, shit like that would be common knowledge right. to a small town. It makes no sense. Then you have Margot Martindale runs a business with these girls' mother. Number one, Margot Martindale has the big house. Number two, this other woman is going into bankruptcy. All right, fine. Medical bills. All right, I'll, I'll, get, I'll give you a pass on that. But she doesn't know these girls more than just as an acquaintance yeah. when they're such good none friends. None of that. None of that relationship. Made. And why are the girls penniless, by the way? I, I don't none get it. None of this I don't made get sense it. to me. These girls are up against bankruptcy. They're reliant on this $50,000 that Mary Beth ends up stealing from, from Margot Martindale's muscle here and essentially from Margot Martindale. And that becomes this whole conflict where Margot Martindale's essentially asked for a trade. Give me back my $50,000. I'll give you the knife that I found of yours that I know what you used it for. And I won't turn you into the cops. And I also, I won't kill you. So that's essentially the deal Margot Martindale made. But it makes no sense why these two girls are relying on that. You would think Margot Martindale, one, like you said, would know them better and be looking out for them because she was so reliant on their mother for her whole life, who was basically protecting Margot from the other three women there. Uh, and, And two... If their mother was running the town like she was supposedly doing, wouldn't they be better off financially despite having medical bills? Wouldn't the town folk be, like, throwing money at these two girls if the woman in that prestige and that power had just passed away? The finances don't make much sense to me. And metaphorically, it makes some sense. And I think it's 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 strong 
in, in the sense that crime doesn't pay, literally. And we see this Wall Street being over leveraged and at the slightest change in the economy, Wall Street. What's goes an under, economy? You know, can you can, can Mike, you <laughs> remind me? Margot Martindale. Margot Martindale is down to her last 50K, even though she lives in that great big house. Right. So she's over leveraged to the gills as well. So. All right. Fine. I'll, I'll put the finances aside for a minute. I just I understand that Margot Martindale's character and the the dead mother were having beef because you know the hens talk about that she didn't you know visit her at the hospital. Yeah, and, Maybe they had an argument about I money. I spoke before, including the dead mother. It was five women who ran the town. Now she is dead. Now it's four, and it's basically three against one. The three don't want Margot Martindale to keep running the brothel. So go on. Sorry. Yeah, I, I have two more thing. All right, I'm sorry. Just one more thing. When did the girls call the police station? Like, so the, the guy comes over for dinner, really, just to, to shake them down a little bit, the young cop. And he kind of weasels his way in for a home-cooked meal. And the, and the older sister, Priscilla, tell is she telling the truth there? When did they call That's the how, they show They do show that. When when Mary Beth comes home and is covered in blood after having killed, I, I want to, I'm going to call this guy Chronic, because I can't think of his fucking name. Cronus, Cron, whatever. But Mary Beth commits <laughs> yeah. the murder, and uh, when she's in the shower... Priscilla's have a conflict of of conscious calls the police station somebody picks up the phone and she hangs up right away so he was able oh. to log that call I guess and notice that it came from their house that morning and was able to put those pieces together this is the only thing I can come up with well no, that's exactly it I forgot that scene actually happened but this movie kind of lulls you into a strange um cadence in a way oh, yeah. it's it's not your typical noir where you get all these big whammy moments well that's what i that's like, what i was alluding to in the non-spoiler section not to cut you off but it's like you sit through an hour and 10 minutes an hour and 20 minutes of this and you don't expect this to be something that's going to leave you with questions because you're getting answers all throughout the way you this relationship makes sense that b storyline is being wrapped up into the c storyline you're getting all these regular beats where you're not going to think that you're going to be left having to piece this together and think for yourself at the end it kind of comes out of nowhere and, and that's you know the, the strength of the of this screenplay in many ways and the strength of these filmmakers like this is a very satisfying yes. watch at 100 percent. i know i know we're harping on the nitpicks and the negatives but i i do think this this movie has some goods to deliver so we can get into some bests here uh, if, if you're if you're ready well uh, my well, I, yeah I, I have a worse but i could also call it a best the best is that this is apparently the island with the strongest elderly woman in the history of the universe because they just kind of poo poo away that these two old <laughs> women were able to take this grown adult man's dead body that's been waterlogged and in a cooler for days drag it out of the sea entirely put it into a car take it out of the car put it into this old lady's backyard and she's able to clean it good for them for you know doing sweat into the oldies so much that they can handle that kind of weight it had to be all a netto tool because she looks in shape <laughs> right that's all yeah. i'm saying like she was doing the five hugo had to, <laughs> hugo had to call a netto tool they had to like together push it over and then yeah she had to do all the heavy lifting there because it's not like you can you know get your sons to help right. you you don't want to you don't want all those loose ends. unless maybe the cop it pitched in the, the older cop that was helping, but I don't, that was unexplained. He can barely right. move. That was unexplained, and that really that's what I meant. When, if you can handle annoyances, that's one of the examples. That stuck with me. I, but I'm, I'm like you. We're harping on the worst because I felt overall this was an enjoyable watch.
watch. So as far as best, it's cheating, but I really, really like this movie up until that last 10 minutes when all these questions come flooding at you. I really like the Priscilla performance. I thought Margot Martindale was outstanding as, as yes. far as her character performance as well. And I could actually, you know, in a down year in the actress category, I wouldn't be surprised to see her finishing like a top 10, to be quite honest with you. Maybe like land a Golden Globe nom or something like that. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily think she would be an Oscar-nominated actress, but there's a lot for her to do with this role. And I was blown away by her. And I again, I want to say, uh, Priscilla, Sophie Lowe, I loved her performance in this. I, I'm with you on Sophie Lowe. I, I think Priscilla's character coming home the next morning and seeing blood underneath her fingernails. Like, this movie has so many little yeah. things to just, like, make your skin crawl, but also just, like, oh, my God, I'd never seen that on film before. I wouldn't have thought to, to think of that level of realism. I wouldn't uh, have thought to get that in a, in a movie like this, but blood underneath her fingernails, she's got to clean it. I, I thought that was brilliant. You know, uh, June Squibb's got some great mm-hmm. one-liners. I'm not surprised there. Look, Margot Martindale saying toodaloo <laughs> and, and wanting to be called Ms. Devlin yes. throughout the movie. Like, those two little things, like, I, I can't get enough of that. Get, I don't know if she invented that or if uh, if, uh, if the girls wrote it in. I, I just, I think this script is really brilliant and, and, it, and it really throws you on your ass at times. It, it makes you so happy at times uh, because, you know, there's just so much detail here. It might, like, solve all of our questions and nitpicks upon, you know, further watches, too. Like, I want to leave open the door that this might become a cult classic yeah. in years Agreed. to come. Because I only we only got the chance to just, you know, have one weekend with it. This might be one of those movies that really sits with us, that we want to come back and rewatch, that it's just one of those think pieces. And it's because of you, you literally have five storylines and five POVs that mix together. And with great performances, like you were saying. Yeah, I, I echo everything you said, and I, I completely agree. I think the performances up and down the card were wonderful. I think the script is incredibly strong, save for whatever that happened in those last 10 minutes. But maybe whatever happened is just something that's over our head. And like you said, we'll figure it out. But I, I, I do recommend this if you can handle the frustration that comes with not having everything answered. Or not even getting most answers, to be honest. Like, you you, you get questions that are thrown at you in the last 10 minutes that don't, come, don't appear the entire movie long and that can be generally frustrating too for a watch which i can understand but if you could deal with that i think you got a solid movie here and i'm like you i think it could could go down to something that gets stronger over time well i didn't have the uh, logistical problem with june squibb you know dragging the giant i mean obviously it's obvious to me now (laughs) that that's a problem but june squibb cleaning the cooler at the end kind of left me with that that big you know end of movie moment that rarely happens to me nowadays especially that you don't get very often like that was a really cool moment and a a great final shot the girls realizing that the the old women of the town are looking out for each other yeah this womanhood this sisterhood of of everybody involved the, the the history of that with the multiple generations looking out for each other i love that and yeah, I love the it. The subtext more, of it was really cool. Yeah, I love it more thematically than perhaps logistically in the plot. But who knows, Mike? Maybe you know there'll be deleted scenes, and Annette O'Toole will just be freaking curling that thing and deadlifting <laughs> that thing uh, up the beach, up the pier there, and it'll be maybe it's a missed opportunity. Maybe they should have shown it. June Squibb just picks his corpse up with one hand and just carries it on her back back to this SUV. <laughs> 
Like, yeah, that's what I paint to see. Yeah. Look, uh, uh, overall, let's talk about final grades here, Mike. We seem to be more happy than sad, even though if you listen to this episode, you're going to hear us talk more about the upsetness than we will the happiness. But that seems par for the course during a quarantine, I guess. Mike, what do you have for a final grade for Blow the Man Down? I still give it a B85, and that's a yeah. solid grade for me. I wanted to go higher. I think after my first watch, I had it as an 87, and then I kind of brought it down a little bit because the second watch was still frustrating. Like, every T is not crossed for me, obviously. So I I, I think the movie's highs are really freaking high, and then a few logistical lows bothered me too much that I just can't get past them, and I'm hung up on them. And maybe that's unfortunate because I think these filmmakers got bright, bright futures. They're going to be oscar uh, contenders in, in the coming years if they keep putting out stuff at this qu- level of quality. Yeah, I agree, and I'm very close to where you are, too. I'm right on that B-minus, B-line myself. 80, I'm like at 83, 84. I had 83. I might bump it up a point to 84, but right there. I think this is the second best uh, movie we've watched right now in the Quarantine Collection. I, I think Big Time Adolescence is still my number one out of what we reviewed, but I would put this one, you know, just a notch below it. I absolutely agree. I got those one, two so far, and... Uh, What's your number three? Is it The Banker or is it Lost Girls? Mine, for me, it's The Banker, but you you were a little higher it on has to, It has to be Lost Girls. I was yeah. so angry at The Banker. I have just had so many things to say about it, so be sure to go check out our review for that because you can hear me lose my mind a little bit about some things that were going on in that movie with Apple TV Plus's latest offering, but the quarantine collection will roll on, and Mike, Mike and Oscar is going to roll on bringing you the content. Uh, we have some fun stuff in store, and Mike will tell you about that in a second, but did you watch Blow the Man Down? Do you you have Amazon Prime. If so, if not, we want to hear from you. We want to hear your takes about what we said here in this episode as well as anything else we do here in the MMO Empire. You can leave us those. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook. Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter. Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com, .com, and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you hear podcasts. And if you're quarantined inside listening to podcasts all day on Apple Podcasts, if you would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review, we would truly, really appreciate that. Michael, tell the good people what is coming next, and let's get some some wise words of wisdom to put a smile on our quarantined faces well mmow is our next episode mike mike and oscar weekly where like mike said we're going to continue to review a bunch of the stuff that we're watching i saw wild tales mike i can't wait to review that what a movie mike tiger king okay i I, well i I saw you (laughs) texting about it i really don't want to watch it. i'm probably going to let you review that because mike all right it is astounding. All right, but if you if you force me to watch something, you have to watch Wild Tales. Like now, it's the best four dollars you'll ever spend. I have to finish Tiger yeah, King fuck today. You, fuck no, I'm sorry, this is this is the end of the quarantine episode number five, where I'm just saying fuck you at the end of the episode because you do this to me all the time. You yeah. recommend shit that I have to watch, and you get mad yeah. at me if I don't watch it. And I do nothing but recommend stuff to you, and you never watch it. Yeah. Anyway, folks, I'm going to recommend (laughs) stuff because I'm just nonstop watching stuff. I get mad at my co-host, which will get it. It's just going to get worse. (laughs) But uh, look, we have uh, Crip Camp, which might be a bona fide Oscar contender, quarantine or no quarantine, coronavirus or no coronavirus, because it got huge buzz at Sundance. Uh, This is a documentary from last year's winning team of American Factory, including, of course, our uh, ex-president, our former president, Barack Obama, and Michelle Come Obama. Come back! 
<laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I, I wish. Uh, I don't yeah. want to get into politics. Anyway, we're no. also going to have a quarter one Oscar race checkpoint with a lot to talk about. I think that's going to be a fun episode because I'm going to do a lot of research about the history of quarter one movies like Silence of the Lambs or Black Panther as standouts and how many of the of those have gone on to be nominated or have won Oscars. I've already started that a little bit, and uh, that'll be a lot of fun. We're hoping for guests on both these episodes. We'll, we'll see. Hopefully everybody's healthy. Yeah, depending on how uh, the rest of the movie year goes, Crip Camp may be a Best Picture nominee as well. <laughs> uh, we'll. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But guys, as always, I uh, want to hear from you. When reality sucks, you can come watch these movies with us, and hopefully we can make your quarantine a little better. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round. Without the stuffiness, stay safe, stay healthy. We will see you in a few days. That is wise. See you.